DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Thomas Wolf, author of The Called Shot, Babe Ruth, the Chicago Cubs, and the unforgettable Major League Baseball season of 1932. Thomas, good morning. Good morning. Glad to be on the show. How are you doing? We're doing, we're doing well. I'm curious right away, you know, there's a lot of things to write about, a lot of people you could probably have access to. Why does this story captivate you? Why do you think this story and will captivate people now coming up on, what, uh, 88 years later? Yeah, well, 1932 was a great season for baseball, and I think that's the most remarkable thing um, about, about the year in terms of what I tried to write about in the book. But in addition to the fact that there was great baseball played that, that year, it was also a year that was a very uh, traumatic and pivotal year in American history. Uh, we were in the midst of the Great Depression. Prohibition was ending. There was a presidential election uh, coming up that, that year. There were demonstrations in the streets of our nation's capital by World War I vets. So there was a lot of social unrest, a lot of uncertainty about the future. Um, and baseball turned out, especially since it was such a splendid season, baseball turned out to be a diversion from a lot of America's troubles that, that particular year. And really, in all of baseball history, I don't think you can find many years that were more exciting in terms of the players who were involved or the pennant races. So it was a great year for baseball, an important year for America. So can you draw parallels from then to now? Sure. I mean, it's... It's eerie almost um, that the connections between 1932 and 2020 in terms of what's going on in the country. Um, both years there's a Republican president in the White House, um, a difficult international and economic situations for the president to deal with, and there's a presidential election, um, you know, gearing up. Uh, the, the big difference between 1932 in 2020, is we don't have any baseball this year. Um, it would be nice to have some baseball to take our minds off other things that are going on, including COVID, of course. You know, it's interesting you say all this about, uh, you know, what the um, economic and social background was in 1932. Uh, I remember being a kid and being in high school in 1980, and... You know, there was a lot, there was turmoil then, you know, obviously Carter would lose the election to Reagan. A lot of people were upset and voting the incumbent out and the hostage crisis had gone on. And, and so it was a, it was all a big deal. And the U.S. Olympic hockey team upsets the Soviet Union and wins the gold medal. And I can show the movie to my kids now and they've seen it and they, and they like it. And it's a cool story, but you can't really convey the impact that it had based on the time and the feeling then, how much of that is the story and how much is that setting us up right now for some crazy story that we can't imagine, but something could happen in the next few months that really captures the nation's imagination? Yeah, I, I know what you mean about that 1980 um, hockey game uh, between the, the U.S. And, and Russia. I mean, it gives me goosebumps just as you're t- talking about it. It gives me goosebumps just to think back to that. I saw that game live on, on TV 40 years ago, um, and it still resonates with me. Um, I don't know what we're going to, what is in store for us sports-wise over the next 6 to 12 months. Everything is going to be really, I think, dependent and influenced by how safely pro sports can come back. Um, I've got one son who works 
in the NFL and one son who coaches um, Division One college basketball, and they're not sure what's going to happen with their seasons. Um, we've got a little bit of golf being played now. I think the U.S. Tennis uh, Open is going to be played in New York, but without fans. Um, the notion of all these teams and games and seasons being played in empty stadiums is just beyond weird. <laughs> um, but at least I think with baseball, at least we're going to get some kind of season and some diversion from what's going on uh, elsewhere in the country. So the cold shot is the title. Did Babe Ruth call the shot and then deliver the home run? I think this pivots on one's interpretation of what it means to call your shot. If you're being completely technical and saying, did he point to the spot where he hit his home run? Probably not. I don't think the evidence really supports that, and Ruth kind of um, dismissed that also in later, in later years. But the drama of the moment, the fact that it was a tie game in Chicago, in Wrigley Field, in front of Commissioner Landis, in front of Ruth's wife, um, Yankee fans uh, mixed in with some Cub fans, and especially with Franklin Roosevelt in the audience, made this a very, very special moment. And I believe, as one looks at that at bat, there were five pitches, the first four Ruth took two balls and two strikes. He didn't swing at any of them. And he was constantly being taunted and jeered at by the Cub players. Cub fans in the stands were throwing lemons at him. It was a moment in which most people, even professional athletes, would be distracted. But Ruth was totally focused on that moment. And he had turned to the home plate umpire before the fifth pitch and said, if Ruth puts one over, I'm going to hit it out of here. And that's what he did. On the fifth pitch, Ruth hit the longest home run that had ever been hit at Wrigley Field. So if calling your shot means predicting I'm going to hit a home run and hitting it, then the story is true. If it's a question of whether or not he pointed to the exact spot where the ball was going to land, that's probably not true. Yeah, I don't need the exact spot it landed. As long as he said he was hitting it out and he hit it out, that's good enough for me. You know, yeah. the, the interesting thing about this, because we, we were just talking about this, uh, discussing instant replay, and the baseball managers who used to come out of the dugout and put on a show arguing, right? You can see Lou Pinella doing it. You can see Billy Martin doing it. Earl Weaver and Tommy Lasorda had some memorable trips out of the dugout when they were upset. And so you had these moments. Now we've got everything. We've got, we've got everything on TV. we got replay. we got super slow-mo replay. It's cool on the one level, but on the other level, it eliminates the mystery in the debate. Now, obviously, there's a lot of mystery about Babe Ruth, whether he called the shot. I've been hearing about this since I was a kid. It was way before my time. Do you like the mystery, or do you like definitively seeing and knowing everything and getting calls right? I like the mystery, and I think the myth of, of that particular moment and that particular bat and other myths in and legends in, in sports are, are what draw us to the games. Um, I think we're all, we're all attracted by stories and narratives and highlights in those stories and narratives. And I think, as, as you point out quite accurately, I think, there is something about instant replay and having, you know, a dozen cameras trained on every, um, every event on, in, a sporting, um, in a sporting event that takes away the spontaneity and the mystery and some of the enthusiasm I think that fans have 
for for seeing for seeing those events. Um, I'm, a, you know, they're talking about possibly having balls and strikes called by computers or robots or something. And I kind of like the human element. And I think in baseball, especially the fact that humans are flawed, umpires are going to make mistakes. Is something that contributes to the game. It contributes to the drama. One of the things I thought as I, as I read your uh, release on the book was you're talking, and you just mentioned that uh, Babe Ruth was jeered. Uh, you know, we view that as sort of a, mon- a modern, I don't know what you would uh, call it, issue with fan interaction with players and the booing and whatnot. What was going on back then? Because I always viewed Babe Ruth as this historic, beloved figure by everyone. Yeah, I think he was loved by everyone, and I think he was loved and respected even by the teams and players that he competed against. Um, but he drew attention to himself, um, and he was a trash talker. I mean, you know, he was able to back it up. Um, you think about current or recent uh, athletes, you know, Michael Jordan comes to mind, Kobe Bryant comes to mind, as players who who could talk a good game and, and deliver, and I think Ruth was one of those. In the 32 series, there was a specific incident that um, kind of generated a lot of the trash talking, and that was that the Cubs had voted only a half a share to their player, Mark Koenig, who joined the team in August. And Koenig was instrumental in the Cubs um, winning the National League pennant. Um, He had been in the minors. He was brought up. He delivered. He hit almost 400 in August and September. Koenig used to be a member of the Yankees. He played with Ruth and was with the Yankees in the 27th season up through the 1930 season. And because Koenig had only been given a half share of the uh, World Series pot by his Cub teammates, Ruth used that as a way of um, kind of calling out the Cubs players. So that the jeering and the taunting and the trash-talking back and forth had a specific point related to to Koenig and um, and. Uh, Ruth kind of defending his ex-teammate. But it added to the drama, and I think that's the the key point. So who was Babe Ruth in a modern era? I mean, is there a little bit of uh, the Tiger Woods era of just complete and total dominance because he hit so many home runs uh, more than everybody else he played with. And he, and he played against other legends and with other legends, but he was just way beyond that. Is there a little bit of Tiger there? Is it Jordan and the trash talking? Is it I don't know, maybe Charles Barkley, you know, elite athletes who are not in elite physical condition? Uh, <laughs> what, what combination of current people would reflect Babe Ruth? Well, that's, that's a very interesting question. Uh, Jordan certainly, and at the height of his powers, um, Tiger Woods, during his incredible um, run, you know, were, were athletes who were superb and separated themselves from, from their peers by their dominance. Um, I would suggest that Reggie Jackson had a little bit of Babe Ruth in him in terms of his swagger and his ability um, to, to deliver. Uh, you know, it's and I, I think if you look at certain tennis players, I mean, Serena Williams perhaps um, kind of fits that also, a, a player who dominates in his or her sport and is recognized by his or her peers as the top of uh, the top of that sport. Um, 
I don't know, Ruth had such a cultural charisma also that I'm not sure anyone since Ruth, with the possible exception of Muhammad Ali, um, has kind of captured the um, appeal and, uh, and love of such a broad-based uh, group of fans and sports enthusiasts. Well, Thomas, good luck with the book. Thomas Wolf. Thank you very much. Yeah, author of The Cold Shot, Babe Ruth, the Chicago Cubs, and the unforgettable Major League Baseball season of 1932. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us, Thomas. Thanks very much for having me on. I enjoyed talking to you.